Reaching Tax Flow podcast, where the goal is to empower and educate you to legally and ethically minimize taxes paid over your lifetime. Good day, everyone, and welcome back to Teaching Tax Flow podcast, jumping into episode 45 today. Not all income is taxed the same. So hang tight. Chris and myself are going to run through this topic, give you a really good explainer on it, as always. But before that, let's take a moment, thank our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Legacy Lock. If you are new to estate planning or simply need to review your current plan, Legacy Lock makes it as easy as pie. Legacy Lock is a unique platform that enables you to easily complete your attorney-drafted documents conveniently from the comfort of your home or office. Your first step to this peace of mind is simply visiting teachingtaxflow.com slash legacy. Welcome back to the Teaching Tax Flow podcast. Really, we need no introduction. We already know that you're your favorite podcast out there. I'm John Trapolsky from the TTF team, as always. To my right, left, across the screen, is always somewhere with me. I can't get rid of this guy if I tried to, nor would I want to. Chris Picuro, how's it going, man? John, I'm doing great. Unfortunately, we are across from each other virtually as we record this episode. But you know what? We've been spending a lot of time with each other lately. I know. I feel lonely now that I'm I'm doing my own thing back in... That's cold here in Michigan today. I know it's warmer in Tennessee, as always. But as, uh, as somebody always says, right, at, at a wedding, they're like, we are gathered here today. Well, we are gathered here today to talk about income and basically how not all income is taxed the same. So Chris, if you had to describe this for everybody out there, right? Like hit us with a couple examples when we say that, because I'm sure we have, obviously we know we have a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of real estate investors, a lot of individuals that are a blend of everything, right? Some are full-time employees wherever they work, but then they have a side hustle, we'll call it, or real estate investment. So walk us through this a little bit. What? How do you explain that not all income is taxed the same? We know one of the three laws of teaching tax flow is that tax agencies are our involuntary business partner. And what that means is that tax laws are written to encourage or discourage certain behavior. Certain industries are tax advantaged, certain industries are not. Certain activities are tax advantaged, certain activities are not. And we do n- we are far from having a flat tax on the federal tax level. Uh, and not only do we not have a flat tax, we have what's called a progressive tax system, meaning the more income that you have, the higher rate you pay. To further complicate things, we have different tax rates, which is really interesting. Um, and when we're looking at how you tax, how your income is taxed, we need to understand that if your taxable income is $100,000, and that was all from self-employment income, meaning you were you were out there grinding. You could be paying a third of that to the government. But if your entire income was a long-term capital gain, you could be paying almost nothing to the government. So how what we believe in teaching tax law and what we teach, as you said, that not all income is taxed the same, is that we have to first determine if the income is taxed at your at gross, your gross income or not. And what that means is that gross income means you don't get any tax deductions to offset that income. Net income means you get to deduct your expenses. So obviously gross income is is not as good as being taxed on your net income. 
I'll give you an example, John. Let's say that you are, uh, let's say you are a self-employed person. No, let's say you're a W-2 person. You um, make $150,000 on a W-2. And obviously you could put some money away in a pre-tax 401k, et cetera, et cetera. But let's just say you make $150,000, but you are a pharmaceutical salesperson. You're only reimbursed a, a small amount for your, your travel expense and your vehicle. You have a home office. You're responsible for your own internet. You're responsible for your own cell phone. Um, you might have a professional license that you have to take classes. So what's going to happen is you're going to pay a federal tax. We're just talking on the federal side right now. On the entire $150,000, you're also going to pay into the Social Security and Medicare system, which is 7.65% on top of your whatever your marginal tax rate is. Um, check out the podcast, shameless plug on marginal tax rate, uh, how that differs with your tax bracket. And, um, and, and that's it. Now, John, if you were in the same facts pattern and you were self-employed, you would get to deduct, or if you were an S corporation or a C corporation, and as you know, John, if you're a single member LLC, you are self-employed. It's a disregarded entity. Under those scenarios, you would get to deduct all of your qualified business expenses. Shameless plug to what is a qualified business expense podcast. Put it in the show notes. Now, John's getting upset because there's a lot of post-production work. It's like uh, somebody waiting until the day before a tax deadline and saying, oh, yeah, there's something to throw in there. But also, too, before you go too far, Chris, I do want to make a good point, too. You know, you're over here throwing out shameless plugs. I'm going to throw one out there. So we actually made a chart with all this on there. And if I remember right, I think it was a napkin drawing of some sort. I mean, we all know that that Chris is just this, you know, he's he's an undiscovered artist. If nobody's ever seen his napkin sketches, they are just beautiful works of we don't know what they are, but they're beautiful. Um, I think we took one of those and actually created a chart for it. If you guys want a copy of that, it's very easy. Just go to teachingtaxflow.com. Um, you can set up for the basic uh, the, the basic membership, which is actually completely free. We're not going to sell your information. Um, well, you know, the government already has it. I was going to say we're not going to sell it to government. Tough. They already got it, whether you like it or not. Um, and you can download this. Or, um, you can view and, and download this chart and make it a lot easier. I'll put the link in the show notes. So there, Chris, I'm making work for myself. Um, but back to you. I'll throw the- I have I'll no, absolutely. So that that is the that's an example of gross versus net. You'd get to deduct all of your expenses against that that income and you'd be taxed on your net income. So there are certain income types that you're taxed on your net income. That's preferred. There are some that you're taxed on your gross income. That's not preferred. Okay, so that's one that's one thing to consider. So we're going to talk about five different considerations by the way. And when we're talking about not all income is taxed the same and like you said Jump on it's in in grab a hold of that chart um, in the teaching tax flow uh, educational library and it's really uh, John you know you make all this napkin drawing look good. Um, the other factor to consider is under the Tax Cuts and Job Act of 2017, there was a new deduction board. It's called the Qualified Income De uh, Qualified Business Income Deduction or Section 199A deduction, and there's some income that is eligible for this deduction. And what this deduction allows is for you to take up to a 20% federal tax deduction based on your net income. So John, if we're talking about you being self-employed, let's say you had $150,000 worth of income. Let's say you had $50,000 worth of expenses. You'd be paying tax 
on $100,000. But you would also get an additional 20% qualified business income deduction in that fact pattern. So what you're looking for is you want to take advantage of, of income streams that are eligible for the qualified business income deduction. Not all of them are. So one, am I paying tax on my gross or my net income? Two, is uh, the section 199A, is my income eligible for that? And there are some, you might, if, if you're listening to this and you have a uh, your W-2 person um, and you're thinking, geez, how can I get the qualified business income deduction? There are certain investments and certain tax type of taxable income that you could be eligible for that, uh, like buying rental property, or there are actually investments that kick off dividends and qualified dividends that are eligible for that. And if you have a brokerage account, if you get really bored and look at like the 50th page of your statement, you might see some of these QBI deductions. But so what you have to ask yourself is, is my, is my income eligible for qualified business income deduction? The third factor is, am I, am I paying tax on my marginal tax rate or am I eligible for my number four, the special capital gains tax rate? So there is a special clause in the tax code that's effective right now that taxes long-term capital gains and qualified dividends at a lower rate than your marginal tax rate. We know because you better listen to all the other podcasts that marginal tax rate is your number one KPI when you're doing tax planning and strategy. KPI stands for key performance indicator. So your marginal tax rate is different than that tax bracket. And the question is, is, is this income that I'm receiving, am I having to pay tax on my marginal tax rate or am I eligible for the special lower tax rate? Now, in a podcast like this, the most prudent thing to understand is that your special capital gain tax rate is typically 50% of your marginal tax rate. And yet sometimes that special capital gain tax rate can be zero with the proper planning. And Chris, you mentioned planning again, right? That's a term that everybody likes to think that they plan, at least to some extent. Some people admit that they're not good at it at all. When it comes to this, I mean, as, as individuals' lives kind of get blended, right? I mean, there there's a lot of income types. Now, obviously, as we mentioned earlier, there's W-2s. You got long-term capital gains. You could be a partner in an LLC. You could have alimony. Um, so... Talk to us maybe about how some of these start to blend together and really why the planning aspect is so important. Because like you had mentioned too earlier, there's no flat tax rate. It's not, you know, it's it's not an easy button. In the, in the it's case. not a flat tax and it's not a linear lie. It's not a, it's not a straight tax, meaning it, it's a, it's a curvy odd line of tax. And, and that's a good point. So let's talk about the special capital gain tax rate. In general, most people are going to pay a 15% federal tax on any long-term capital gains or qualified dividends. Some people could pay a little more. Some people might have to pay a Medicare surtax. Some people could pay 0%. But in general, like I said, it's going to be about half of what your marginal tax rate is. To have an investment that qualifies for the special capital gain tax rate, it's something that you've owned for more than a year. So let's say, John, you bought stock in teaching tax flow. Um, maybe you got it before you went public. Right. Anyway. Right. <laughs> Shh, don't give away all our secrets. If you were to own that stock for five years and then sell it, you would 
that would be a long-term capital gain. So anything that you own more than a year and you sell at a gain is eligible for those long-term capital gain tax rates. And conversely, if you own a, let's say you own that teaching tax flow stock and you are paid a dividend, after you own that stock for a year, all those dividends are dividends are considered qualified dividends eligible for the long special long-term capital gain tax rate. So that's where the, and you said the plane, that's where it comes, things come into play. So for instance, let's say you own a piece of land uh, and you know, we're not, I mean, the stock market so can go up or down, but let's say you own a piece of land um, in your, in the town where you live in a charming town uh, right outside Ann Arbor, Michigan. And you you bought it a year ago. You bought it eleven months ago, and someone came to you and said, "Hey, I want to build a house there. I want to. I'm going to make an offer on this land." And you say, "Okay." And you talk to them, and then you then you call me. You say, "Hey, man, I've got an offer on this piece of land. What are you thinking?" And now it's say, "John, it's it's August X or September X. Um, it's been eleven months. Why don't you tell that person that you are you're happy to sell it?" but you will have a closing at least one year after the date you purchase the land. And that would make the tax half, probably what it would be if you had a short-term capital gain. So that's an example of just one simple transaction. And obviously things get very complicated. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more on, on what type of resources we have for people when things get complicated that we can help them with. But that's an example of just doing a little bit of tax planning that goes goes a long way. Absolutely. And that chart that we have is, is really good. It lays it out. It's got some nice color. I'm looking at it right now. Um, very easy. It's got a lot of yes, no's in there. So it, it's a good roadmap. So in general, if you can find a something that you pay a lower tax rate on, that's preferable than your to your marginal tax rate. And then the fifth consideration, because marginal tax rate and capital, special capital gain tax rate are my three and number three and four consideration. Fifth consideration, is this income subject to self-employment tax, which is 15.3% tax on a, about the first dollars $165,000 of your income or your W-2 wages. And in general, you want that, I mean, you, I'm not going to say in general, you want that answer to be no, right? Because that's an, that self-employment tax is in addition to your marginal tax rate. And so when you're an employee, you pay half of that self-employment tax. That's that 7.65% that comes out of your paycheck. Your employer matches that 7.65%. But remember, you're paying that on your gross income. When you're self-employed, you pay that tax on your net income and you get the 199A deduction. So it might be beneficial. We just had a teaching tax flow. Uh, one of our premium members uh, engage us in our tax planning engagement, uh, do a personalized tax plan, and the person is self-employed. Uh, she's actually in about somewhere between $150,000, $200,000 of income. So she's paying self-employment tax. And her the person that she had an offer from one of her main clients uh, to bring her on as an employee. And um, we ran the analysis. And, and after you add it all up and deduct things, and it was better for her, especially with the 199 deduction, to remain uh, an independent contractor from just, just from a tax perspective. We're not talking about the, the legal ramifications and and that sort of stuff. So you really have to look at the numbers. Um, and, and, you know, where, where they where they lie with 
that are you subject to the self-employment tax? Now, one more consideration would be if you are self-employed, let's say your net income is $150,000 or your W, let's say you're a W-2 person and you're considering being self-employed and you think your income would be about the same. That's where, John, we start talking about some of those more advanced tax strategies, like potentially electing to be taxed as an S-corporation, where you get some of the, the hybrid of some of these, these tax rates. Um, one thing to consider also is that if you are listening to this and you're uh, you know, on Social Security, your other income can greatly affect how much of your Social Security income is taxed. And then there's, I call a hidden tax. There's several seniors that, um, I'll give you an example, they're on social, they have Social Security, the maximum amount of Social Security that's taxed is 85% of your benefit, and they're paying into the Medicare system. So they pay a modest amount per month for Medicare insurance. And let's say they have a, a, they need to pull, they have a, a catastrophic life event, they pull out $200,000 out of a retirement fund, or let's say they sell some stock for a few hundred thousand dollars. You know what happens? Because their income shot up that year, their social security is still taxed at 85%. But what happens is their Medicare premium that they're paying goes up because it's a need-based and it could triple just because they have one big year. And that's that's when we talk about your true marginal tax rate. There's so many different factors. That's a great point. That's actually a really good example, right? Because there's, you know, it's, I, I, I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but usually I think it's out there of like, oh, I or somebody's retired, right? And they get offered a a part-time job working at the corner store. They say, oh no, I can't make any money because then it completely throws off everything I have. Or they might have a number in their mind that's, you know, oh, I can't work more than a couple hours a week or something because once I once I breach a certain point, um, is that is that really true or is that something that is just a, a fable for lack of better terms? Well, the... Because um, I know you'd mentioned once you get to a certain point, then it, everything starts to, you know, you're you're taxed at a higher rate, obviously. Right. I mean, there are there are, so there are people on Social Security that if you look, they're in the twelve percent marginal tax bracket. Let's say it's a married couple. They're they're no I'm sorry. They're in the twelve percent tax bracket that their marginal tax rate is thirty percent. Mm-hmm. It's because if they take money out of their retirement account, then they're going to trigger a not only is that taxable, a higher percentage of Social Security benefits are taxable. And that's when we start getting into some of these advanced tax strategies and the importance of, of doing a personalized tax plan with your tax preparer. Um, and, and unfortunately, as you know, John, we were, we were you, you've been on the road with me the last couple of months, attending conferences, speaking at events. Um, and that's why we, that's one of our pa- reasons we did teach you teaching tax laws to, to help people with tax planning and strategy. It's an underserved and unserved community. Uh, but with, so determining, you know, to, to mitigate that social security tax exposure. And, uh, you know, is it fair that you have to pay tax on social security benefits when, when you didn't get a tax deduction when you put the money in? No, let's just say it's not. I don't think it's fair personally, but that's the way it is. Um, right. But yeah, I'd say takeaways from, from this episode. First thing, jump into that lesson. Jump into that course in teaching tax flow. I'd love to say it's a shameless plug again, but it's free. You're going to really, we've got a full mini lesson on this subject with that chart. That chart is going to be phenomenal. Things to consider. Is the income that I'm earning, am I taxed on my gross income or net income? Am I eligible for section 199A? Am I paying tax on my marginal tax rate? Or am I qualifying for the special capital gain tax rate on that income? 
and is the income subject to self-employment tax? So I'm going to run through that real quick. I'm going to give you the preferred answers, right? Tax, gross or net, you want net. Section 199 eligible, you want to say yes. Marginal tax rate versus special capital gain rate, you'd prefer yes on special capital gain rate. Self-employment tax, the preferred answer would be no. All righty. So everybody go get that sheet, walk through it, compare your situation. As always, reach out with any questions. So Chris, we uh, we appreciate you as always being able to, I haven't said this in a while, extrapolate the knowledge from your brain. So this has been a good one. I think we went over a lot of stuff. And honestly, I think this topic relates to, I, I'm going to make the assumption again on this is that this is the, the general demographic, I should say, of our audience. I think a lot of people do fall into this. And this is something that I feel that we explain a lot in chunks. This was excellent because it basically maps everything out. So I think this was a was a great show. Chris, thank you again for, for letting us do this. And again, anybody has any questions, shoot us a message, contact us. I'll drop the link in there for our private Facebook group, as always, and as well as the direct link to the course where you can actually just take a peek at this chart yourself. So until next time, we'll see you next week. John's still here from the Teaching Tax Flow team. Wanted to thank you for hanging in with us on this episode as we jumped into and ran through not all income is taxed the same. So possibly before this episode, you had no idea what we were talking about. However, hopefully now you know. Obviously, there's some different variables in there and everybody is a little different, but hopefully you got a better grasp on what we mean by that title. So as mentioned in the show there, um, if you look below or to the right or to the left or above in the show notes, depending on where you're listening to this episode, there'll be a link in there. Click on that link, jump into the related teaching tax flow course, completely free. If you want to join as a basic member, um, check it out. More information in there. It's a good walkthrough video done by Chris, the man, the myth, the legend behind teaching tax flow and run through that. Let us know what you think. Any questions, shoot them over. We're happy to answer them. So hang tight again. Great episode coming up next week as well, which you will hear about shortly. Until next time. The content of this podcast does not constitute an offer of securities. Offerings can only be made through an offering memorandum, and you should carefully examine the risk factors and other information contained in the memorandum. The content provided is for educational purposes only. We encourage you to seek personalized investment advice from your financial professional. For all tax and legal advice, please consult your CPA or attorney. Investment advisory services are offered through Cabin Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Securities are offered through Cabin Securities, a registered broker-dealer.